Hey there, and welcome to Transition Seeker with Russell, the show that uh, is all about finding creative and critical responses to pop culture, pushing that whole conscious consumption vibe, and hopefully some good vibes too, positive vibes. I'm going to try and um, get through a couple of segments that I missed out on, on including last week. I'm going to uh, feature one about planning your your book reading and also on uh, finding creative approaches to gaming because uh, yes I've become obsessed yet again with another game because of all this um, this lockdown all this enforced hibernation what else what is a person to do but yes get hold of a computer game and just play the life out of it and have a good time and that's what I've been about lately and I've learned a thing or two about it that I will impart to you, hopefully. It should be a good show. Um, join me for the new adventures in a sec. Okay, new adventures in pop culture time with Russell here. I want to get straight into the news. And by news, I mean in particular mainstream media news. Because basically people, it's given me the shits. It really is. Uh, we recently got uh, a little banner headline about Mr. Trump uh, cutting funding to the World Health Organization with basically no context given about it. Just, oh yeah, just um, he's going to cut it and... Um, why and what that means and what, what's his strategy? Not really there. You had to go elsewhere as usual, like the Guardian to get the nuance, um, revealing how it's pretty much, um, Trump scapegoating an, another organization to hide his own failures in this coronavirus panic. Uh, I suppose the World Health Organization may have something to answer for, perhaps by the end of all this. Some decisions may be dodgy, perhaps, but it's the leading health organization. It's like, yeah, let's cut it in the time when, when we probably need it more than ever. Um, yeah, uh, doesn't make sense. And I just was a bit disappointed with the way that the MSM handled that. Um, but it's indicative of the way the media works. Um, it, it tries to be, I, I guess, objective by not m commenting on these things and just presenting the news as the news as facts or whatever you want to call them and leaving it to others or at least um, signposting when it's not being just presented objectively in a form of comment where you get a lot of talking heads a lot of um, editorializing perhaps would be a way of saying it um, some uh, obviously some media outlets are much more into editorializing than others and their editorials go way beyond the sort of uh, bounds of what we would expect um, I'm thinking obviously the Murdoch press which regularly editorializes on the front page of its newspapers uh, headlines that are specifically aimed at giving its readers uh, the attitude they should be taking to news events just within headlines they become very good at that but most of the more respectable media try to at least give some balance and, and objectivity. But it's I guess it's just the uh, it's the price you pay for an objective media uh, sometimes, where they have to cover these idiots talking and um, doing it in a fair kind of way. It's the dilemma they have. But um, I guess our response should be to actually try to look deeper 
and think about it and be more conscious about what we're consuming. Um, moving on to, uh, I guess, uh, Twitter news. Um, I'm going to do a couple of brief shout-outs to things I saw on Twitter. And continuing the Guardian thread, I suppose, um, there's a new uh, independent TV station in the United States called Means TV, M-E-A-N-S TV, which sound really promising. And they actually work as a cooperative which is an amazing thing and uh, there was an interview with them on the guardian recently uh, <clears throat> which i read that was very enlightening in in, in this kind of space the article was called Means TV Inside the Leftist Worker-Owned Streaming Service. And it was a nice little profile on what they're doing. But the thing I particularly liked was uh, we, we got an example of Means TV's uh, simple, simple metric for uh, choosing suitable content, which every, every media outlet has, has a news values, we call them sometimes, uh, but this one was called a metric. And it's this is the metric. Um, so the question they ask is, is this punching up or down? Is this going after people that have more power than us? Or is this denigrating people that have less power than us? That's it there, basically. That That's what's, what's guiding their content. And the content, um, it's described as a pared-back version of Netflix with content prov- divided by format, full-length film, series, comedy, animation, even kids' content. Which they give an example there, the one called Wrinkles and Sprinkles, which, uh, it's a kid show which has two cats, one a crusty, wizened elder and one a peppy kitten learning about direct action and solidarity. I love it. There's also feature length documentaries, uh, detailing the Palestinian resistance movement and, uh, indigenous children in Guatemala dodging police in the city while finding ways to provide for their families. Lots of, lots of interesting stuff. Um, very much indebted to, uh, Luke Ottenhoff, the writer of this particular article, I think, did a good job and worth checking out. Uh, maybe, um, subscribing to, uh, definitely means TV. Next up, some more stuff that I found via Twitter. A funny little, uh, meme, um, from a group called GOP Death Cult, uh, GOP standing course for the Grand Old Party, i.e. the Republicans in the United States. Fabulous little um, meme where, where the, the meme basically goes, give me liberty and give me death. Bit of a comment there to the uh, sort of the protests, the, the right wing protests that are happening in there at the moment. Where people are going out, especially in the um, the more redneck states like Texas, I suppose, and protesting their right to... Um, to work and to um, stop all this social distancing and actually get the economy going and bugger all the possible deaths that might be incurred by that. Um, and just today I noticed um, there was a, another a thread um, showing a couple of hospital nurses stopping the traffic, it, basically a response to these protests. Um, yeah, an interesting little war happening over there, I guess, in the US at the moment. Um Moving on to Australia, good old uh, Malcolm Turnbull, our previous Prime Minister, he's looking more and more like a, quite an interesting character um, now that he's he's out of that, that hot seat. Um, his new book's coming out today as I speak. The book's called A Bigger Picture. It's already been leaked by some of the Murdoch press uh, to uh, the Liberal Party and there's been a bit of a legal sort of challenge from uh, Turnbull's lawyers over over the breach of copyright on that, but uh, that was typical because uh, the word is that um, the book contains quite a lot of criticism about the Murdoch 
Press and particularly um, um, Turnbull's predecessor Tony Abbott, who was very much in bed with him. Uh, you know, everyone pretty much knew that. Abbott, when he became Prime Minister, he visited New York, and while he was there, he did a private audience with Mr. Murdoch himself. And uh, I'm going to use some language now, so beware. Um, uh, basically, he went there to suck his cock, uh, and thanks for um, helping him get elected. Basically, which is what Murdoch does, but. Uh, Turnbull would have none of it when he became when he became the prime minister of the country, and and kudos to him for not going into bed with Mr. Murdoch. Um, the book sounds like it would be a very interesting read. Let's get out of here and move on. All right, here comes a segment where I'm going to probably segue from one thing to another, so beware. Um, playing around with lots and lots of um, metaphorical material here, I suppose, uh, but I can't help myself. It's in my blood. I'm going to be looking at books. Well, to start off with, I'll be looking at books and the way we consume books, the way I consume books, and the need to plan my consumption of books. I found it's something that I have needed to do, keeping that conscious consumption idea. Conscious consumption, planned consumption um, is a good thing. To avoid all the, the chaos of just uh, the free market, if you will, of just, just laissez-faire, picking things up and just letting them happen, um, not the most efficient use of our time when you think about it. Uh, you can find years have gone by and look at what you've read, look at what you've consumed. So much of it was rubbish. So you could have done so many more interesting things than you did and you you were filled with regrets. Um, and I'm trying to, trying to avoid that uh, for myself and for you if I can with some of my choice advice. So it comes to books. Just lately, um, what I, what I've been doing, um, I guess it's a, it's a, um, a phase I'm going through. I, I collected over the, over the years, I've collected a bunch of, a lot of book series. Uh, because you get that collector's fever sometimes, you know, you, you buy the first couple and then, you know, you know, there's a whole bunch of others and you gotta get them all, you gotta get the whole set. Um, you can think of so many series. The Harry Potter series is an obvious one. Um, the Patrick O'Brien's another one. Uh, Ian Fleming's James Bond books. You can go completely nuts with these things. Um, and I kind of have basically. And, and I found that I haven't started a lot of these series. And so I decided I wanted to at least begin some, some of them and not, not necessarily um, exhaust them and read them all the way through, but at least to be able to say I've actually tried them out so that's the sort of planning i'm i'm going for for the next uh, few months i've already started with one series which i've mentioned the um ian fleming james bond books because i have all of them a lovely sort of box set of them i just finished the third one moonraker i'm going to move on now to the patrick o'brien huge master and commander seafaring saga that that spans more than 20 books i've got um quite a lot of them uh, in my collection i guess i better uh, get started on them and i'm going to enjoy them i think i've also got a really nice uh, book called sea of words 
which is kind of a companion piece, which um, compendium of seafaring terms and so forth that are used in the series. Kind of a, a nice little ready reckoner for me to have next to me when I'm reading the books to get my definitions. <clears throat> because I'm that kind of reader, I'm just completely train spotter in that way. Another series I want to check out is uh, the Christian Jacques uh, Ramesses series of books um, set in ancient Egypt uh, featuring that amazing legendary pharaoh Ramesses II uh, who was also the um, the template for um, Shelley's Ozymandias if you're familiar with that poem. And I've always loved that era, uh, the, the ancient Egyptian en- empire. And so, uh, and I've got all of the, the books, all five of them in this lovely sort of trade paperback editions, nice large copies. Um, so I'm looking forward to starting that one. Once I'm done with that, I'm planning, um, to delve into the good old Harry Potter books, um, JK Rowling and all that. I've got the first three. I've seen the films, obviously. Um, I figure it's time I actually became familiar with the actual source material, see what that's all about. I'll start with the first one, and um, if I really like it, I might continue, but um, I know that the series gets really much more darker as it goes along, getting up to the um, Deathly Hallows, and um, that's kind of interesting for me because... um, the other series that I definitely want to read in this um, round of planned reading uh, will be the Gormenghast series uh, by Mervyn Peake, the series from the 1940s and 50s, I think it was, um, starting with Gormenghast, then Titus Grown, then Titus Alone, a very interesting, very dark, gothic series that I've always wanted to read. I've got a lovely three-in-one edition, and I want to. Re- I think I'm going to really enjoy that. I, I'm expecting some good things from it, um, and that's definitely in the darker end of the fantasy, gothic fantasy sort of um, spectrum. And so much of this depends on how I go with my reading, if I keep to my planned schedule, because I may find myself engrossed in one of these series, as I was suggesting, like with the Harry Potter, and I may decide to uh, read more than I planned. Uh, I might read the entire Peak trilogy or, or go out and buy all the Harry Potter books. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm going to leave some leeway there for that to happen uh, in amongst the planning because um, what's that saying? The, the best laid plans of, of men sort of thing uh, always comes into it. You need to... Um, be alive to the possibilities of spontaneity here and this is true not just for reading obviously it's it's true for a lot of things uh it can be true of parenting and politics and uh what i mean by that is simply um if we take say parenting for example uh when you look at the approaches parents make to parenting um they seem to split into, into basically three categories three classic categories uh in terms of the way uh parents may plan raising their children they could be autocratic or maybe democratic or um what we call laissez-faire the lovely french term uh where basically they let the kids run right and anything goes these are well-known sort of uh qualities of leadership that sort of stuff that i, I learned in my library course uh, last year and there's also one other actually um transformational leadership or transformational uh planning i suppose where you're trying to create the best child you possibly can who is self-aware and uh, 
and full of all all kinds of fabulous qualities where you inspire them to greater heights uh, than what you've achieved. To put them another way, um, think of an autocratic parent as a sort of a, um, showbiz mum or sports dad who's basically going to control their little darling and make sure that he or she grows up the way they expect them to grow up and to be the sort of person they expect them to be and don't really give them a lot of leeway to be their own person. That's the one end of the spectrum. The other end of the Lazar fair is much more sort of uh, giving the kids too much liberty perhaps where they don't get any kind of guidance. And to me, guidance, I think, is certainly the key uh, when it comes to parenting, not that I'm a parent, so but I don't think that disqualifies me from making these observations. Anyone can make them, surely. Um, and so the the guide, the more democratic uh, kind of approach is the middle path, as always, is is the best way to go. I would think with it comes to parenting, but but it's clearly a spectrum there because um, it does come down to planning. Uh, when the kids are very young, they need more control, obviously, and and you let go of that control as they get older. Perhaps is the way it works from control to guidance. To liberation um, might be the way uh, we look at parenting. And just a brief personal note, I'm, I'm actually a product more of the Lazau Fair school of parenting. Um, <coughs> my own parents, bless them, had six kids and I was the second youngest, so me and my younger brother got a lot less attention paid to us uh, than the other four because uh, I guess by the time they got to us, um, they had too many battles to fight and lost too many of them and just gave up. Um, but we kind we kind of turned out okay. I, I guess we we're a little bit damaged, but um, yeah, we're we're okay. Um, it could have been worse. But let's shift the focus now to uh, politics and and the economy. When you look at the idea of a planned economy, obviously you think of uh, things like socialism, I guess, which is a really strange way to look at it to me because all all economies surely are planned in one way or another. Just maybe socialism a little bit more planned than others. Um, maybe there's a little bit more control involved in them. And we're sort of seeing that whole control versus freedom dynamic playing out at the moment, especially when we're in the present situation we're in and governments of all stripes around the world are basically being forced to be more controlled, controlling the population, keeping the uh, spread of the virus from happening and uh, making sure we self-isolate and all of that. Um, and, of course, there's that tension there, with, especially in the United States at the moment, where you've got the protests happening, people wanting to uh, break free, which is a bit of an ideological push, really, from the, the business lobbies, I think, um, to basically bucking against this trend because um, their livelihoods, their profits are at risk at the moment. Um, so, it's as usual, it's that lovely tension between freedom and and control and control is pretty much taking over at the moment uh, we need a bit more of a planned economy and i think that's a good way to go in any time really with with any kind of economic system um, to be planning something as important as your economy rather than letting it all hang out um, the whole idea of the free market is a myth anyway um Capitalists know a free market is a bloodbath and there never was such a thing. Uh, there's always been planning, there's been subsidies, tariffs and so forth um, because otherwise um, free market capitalism leads to monopoly. We know all that. Um, yeah, okay, so we've come a fair way from books, haven't we? But um, 
having a bit of a, a rhetorical flight of fancy here, I suppose. But oh, I've, I've had fun. Hopefully you had too. Some food for thought, perhaps. But in summing up, basically I'm saying uh, planning is a good thing in pretty much any any field of endeavour, endeavor, whether it's... it's uh, Choosing your book reading for the, the your, or your pop culture consumption for, for the next few months, or the way you bring up your children, or the way you run your country, planning is a good thing, and uh, let's not leave it to chance. But though, be aware that uh, sometimes uh, your children need to be set free from time to time. Your people need to do the things they need to do. But knowing when the time is right for that is the real key, I think. Um, and as my man Lao Tzu uh, has said in the Tao Te Ching, the, the best leader is the one whose presence is hardly even felt because the people are able to govern themselves. Um, that's the ideal. Whether we ever get to that sort of thing, who knows? But uh, we can try Welcome back. You're on Transition Seeker, as always, with Russell. Um, I guess with all this enforced um, isolation, the lockdown and everything, uh, quite a few people are playing computer games. Um, am I wrong in that assumption? But I don't think so. I know I am. I'm watching lots of anime too, but and other fantastic things. And But I'm also, I've got back into computer games with uh, just this, in, this um, extra time that I've got on my hands. And I tried to, and I have tried to avoid that whole idea of computer games. I feel like I'm too old to be playing them because they can be pretty immersive, and you can get pretty obsessed with them, sucked in, as we all know. And you end up, days can go by, and they've been wasted. And so, like I was saying in the previous segment, really, that you do need a strategy to to plan uh, your your gaming, I suppose. But let me tell you a little bit of how this came about, how I, I came to be getting sucked in yet again. There was an old game long time ago in the days back in the 1980s when um, when I had a, an Amiga computer and uh, and there was this great game called Bard's Tale. Um, there was a series of them, three of them, and then I particularly had the second game, Bard's Tale 2, The Destiny Knight, a simple RPG, basically, um, based on um, Dungeons and & Dragons and very basic um, gameplay compared back then. Um, I remember reading the review of the game um, in, I think, the, the Mega magazine. It's, it was really a, a game at high praise, and, and it was really about just a, a very short. It's just a really short review, but it said everything. It basically it, this is what it said: "It's three a.m. Where are you?" Um, and that was it. And and um, that just hooked me straight away. And I certainly noticed in playing the game after I bought it that I actually had moments where I'd be stuck in a dungeon somewhere, just roaming around with my group of characters, uh, my league. Um, and it would be three a.m. and I'd be stuck in a dungeon somewhere, and I'd be, it would be like, "Where am I?" And uh, and then, of course, I dream about the damn thing. Uh, you go to sleep, and then you're walking through these 
these tunnels and dr- and dungeons and and that was your dream life as well. It just took me over. And anyway, I discovered that uh, there's been a reboot of that game um, in 2018. Uh, it was redone for, um, with slightly more improved graphics. Uh, it, it basically in the lead towards um, a fourth iteration of the game. And so um, I decided to download it against my better uh, judgment. Um, I thought I'd give it a go just, just for old time's sake. Um, and now here I am, uh, stuck in a dungeon somewhere, 3 a.m. again, and uh, I really have no justification for it other than that I'm just enjoying and having a good time, I guess. I should apply my life hack approach to this sort of thing and say, no, no, you, there are books you can read and uh, people you can talk to and uh, more important things to do, but uh, no, the less sensible me sort of arcs up and, and says, no, I'm, I'm going to have fun. But there are a couple of uh, things I would like to I would like to point out about uh, game playing that I've learnt over the years, some sage wisdom or whatever it is that I'd like to uh, impart to you about gaming. Um, a couple of them, really. One is um, that although gaming can be a, a, some sort of a, an addiction, um, my strategy, at least, has been when caught in the throes of a game to basically exhaust the damn thing. Just okay. So if you're gonna gonna be obsessed, just keep playing thing till the very end, as quickly and cleanly as you can, and get to the end because there always is an end when it comes to gaming and games. And you finish the game. And then you can have a sense of resolution and you can get back to your life, uh, which is uh, more than can be said about some certain addictions that we can think of that are, that are much more internal, um, that get into your bloodstream and so forth. Whereas gaming, it can certainly invade your brain and your, your dreams, but um, I guess can affect you, affect you physically in some ways. But uh, it's more an external addiction, isn't it? Um, and it's a bit easier to let go. Um, it's one of the more benign addictions, I would say. Um, so that's one point. Um, and the second point is uh, you can actually have a creative approach to gaming. Uh, there are a lot of games, if they're designed well, uh, they enable all kinds of uh, freedom for the user to explore and do their own thing. Like I'm thinking uh, the sandbox mode uh, that some games have. And I'm thinking of uh, the, the that round of uh, games called The Sims, all the different iterations of The Sims, especially The Sims 2 and 3, which I um, really got into back in the day. Um, I, I played more more because I was really into the creative possibilities in terms of making machinimas, which you can do with The Sims. You can record what you, what you play and the, the scenarios that you play out, and you can control your characters and have them do things um, and then revoice them later on and, and make a lovely machinima, which I guess is um, a topic for another segment, really, um, the whole machinima thing, basically films made from um, games uh, and game software. But that's one one approach. Um, like with the Bard's Tale, I, I guess um, there's not a lot of scope for for creativity there. You can get to name your characters. You can you can name their groups, and and you know you can go. The sky's the limit. Uh, for example, I've got a number of uh, groups, uh, uh, guilds, or teams in my Bard's Tale games that I've been playing through that are based on anime. Shows I've got my Kon group, got Yui and Mio and Ritsu and them together, and they're, they're a bunch of girls, so they're all girl characters. And because they're all musicians in the show, they're all bards. So I've got a group, almost nothing but bards, but I decided it would be wise to include a 
I wizarded amongst a mage and amongst my group uh, when it came to battles. They're very valuable. And so um, the girls' home group teacher, Sadoko, has um, has joined them as the um, the mage. Um, and I mentioned before I had a, a Le Guin guild in the, my original iteration of the game, um, based on characters from Ursula Le Guin. But you can, you can be completely original with it. You can come up with your own names, not based on anyone, but your own imagination. Um, that's a good way to go. But anyway, I'm sure life will get back in the way again very soon and I'll, it'll put an end to my, my gaming fun. Um, or maybe I'll, my sensible gene will kick in because I do have a sensible gene. Um, I realized I had one back when I was a teenager when I took up smoking with a bunch of my recalcitrant friends. Uh, we would often steal cigarette packets of cigarettes down at the supermarket back in the days when it was actually easy to do so and uh, smoke away and, uh, Back then, I remember feeling it, freaking out a bit on the idea that I might um, become addicted to the nicotine and you know the cigarette smoking. So I gave it up. One of the few sensible things I did as a teenager, but it let me know that I do have a sensible gene in there somewhere, and uh, it'll kick in again soon, I'm sure. Just as I hope it does for you too. Let's finish the show now. Um, it's wonderful weather at the moment. Um, all the kids are at home, not not at school, and uh, people are outside on the street uh, drinking beer and wine, sitting on the nature strips, watching their kids run riot. And our governments are showing a little bit more attention to their populations for once in their lives, and uh, it's not a bad time to be alive, I think. Um, being positive here, I guess. This is this is Russell being very positive today. Um, I hope the show brought a little bit of positivity into your life too, uh, so... Have a good one and I'll speak to you next time.